sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Monday and welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Hopefully you had a really good weekend and you enjoyed all the baseball, football, and basketball out there. But in terms of fantasy, oh, it was a fantasy football disaster for a lot of teams this weekend as we're starting to get some of the news coming in. There's going to have to be major adjustments if you had the first pick or the second pick in your fantasy football draft. This is probably not going to be the news that you want to get into here on the show today, but certainly we will do it. Joe Pizapia, Craig Mish here with you for the next two hours, breaking it all down, Joe. And uh, no matter what the result was for your fantasy football team this weekend, Joe, if you have the first pick or the second pick in your draft just two weeks ago, you're in panic mode. Yeah, it's been quite a difficult weekend for sure for anybody's first round for the most part. Michael Thomas is out as well. It can add him into the pile of first round picks. But basically, if you left week two without a major injury and a W, you may have won your league. Who knows? I mean, this could be a huge pivotal moment here. And I know it's only week two, but some of these injuries, both big and small, can have some massive impacts now on the rest of the fantasy season. It's going to have a huge impact on the waiver wire, so make sure you tune in on Wednesday for Waiver Wire Wednesday because it is going to be bananas. But, Craig, it was a crazy, wacky week, two in the NFL. And unfortunately for many fantasy owners, uh, a very difficult one in terms of injuries and loss to starting studs. Yeah, and ESPN is reporting this afternoon that Christian McCaffrey is going to be out uh, multiple weeks for the Carolina Panthers. In all likelihood, he was the first pick or the second pick in your fantasy football draft. And then, of course, Saquon Barkley. We're waiting on the official uh, result from him, but there is some fear that Barkley could be out even a longer period of time for the Giants. But we won't jump to those conclusions. You do have to prepare to not have either of them for sure going into this week's edition of your fantasy football league let's take a look at the top stories and the headlines as we dive into this monday and dive into all of the stories in both fantasy and reality here on our show uh injuries are piling up and we're going to go through them all and certainly those were just not even close to the tip of the iceberg here running backs out wide receivers out waiting on results and maybe not having the preseason cause this is really no clear indication, but we have never seen a week uh, two like this in the history of fantasy football, uh, losing this amount of players in this high end, too. So this will be an important week for those of you who are playing fantasy football this week. The Cowboys, by the way, completed a 20-point comeback in their game yesterday. I mean, nobody saw that coming going into the fourth quarter, and then a lot of things had to go right. They ended up winning. Anthony Davis hit an amazing shot last night, in case you missed it, for the Los Angeles Lakers. They're up 2-0 on the Denver Nuggets. Of course, Denver was down 3-1 to the Clippers and came back and won that series. So it would appear that the Lakers are in control here. But look, let's not discount what the Nuggets have ended up doing. And Davis was phenomenal. That shot was just huge yesterday. And being able to make it go in, certainly in the celebration, was kind of odd, too, seeing that at the end of the game. Uh, Padres are in the postseason. Yankees are in the postseason. And so they have a little bit of pressure off them this week. We'll see how both those teams handle this from a fantasy perspective. This feels a lot like September, especially for your fantasy team. There are going to be some teams that aren't going to need the last couple games of the season. San Diego is still trying to chase L.A. down. But once that comes out of reach, they may bench some guys. And I would imagine the Yankees are 
kind of in that same position where it looks like they are going to be uh, headed toward East 2 or a wild card. They don't want to let uh, Toronto catch them for sure. And then Bryson DeChambeau ends up winning the U.S. Open by six strokes. And, Joe, here we are. We have the final week of the baseball season, final week of the fantasy baseball season to go along with the NFL. So a uh, final free agent acquisition running on Sunday night for a lot of leagues, and then mm-hmm. it's on to 2021. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing for uh, baseball to be on to 2020 and hopefully get some more normalcy in the season uh, going forward next year. We can only hope by uh, the spring of next year that things are a little bit more situated, so to speak. But uh, I think definitely that first headline with the Cowboys are going to take the cake there. Uh, they were down 20 nothing in this game. The Atlanta Falcons continue defensively to just be a shell. I mean, they do not tackle anybody. They give up huge plays. It was great to see C.D. Lamb have a great game. It was terrific to see, you know, obviously some other moments in that game as well where you had Dak Prescott, who was the first quarterback ever to throw for that many yards and have three rushing touchdowns as well. Some history there. Also some history on the Falcons, Ed Craig. I don't know if you saw this stat. The Falcons had 39 points and zero turnovers. Teams that had that same thing happen were 440 and 0. And oh, in NFL history to have that moment happen. The Falcons fans, I don't know how they keep doing this. Because this is tough, man. You are losing crushing, crushing, horrible loss after loss in big moments, in big games. And of course, that onside kick. I don't know about you, Craig, but I spent the rest of my afternoon going out in the backyard trying to see if I can get the ball to do that because I feel like if I can, I might be able to get signed perhaps by uh, some NFL team to kick onside kicks at least. Yeah, my uh, my son's either going to be a golfer or a kicker if he's not a baseball player. That's the way that we're definitely headed. It's um, a good you know, amazing, amazing result yesterday there. Uh, very exciting finishes in a lot of the games, including the game last night between Seattle and New England came right down to the very end. Kansas City and, and the Chargers also came down to the end. A lot of games are just basically mm-hmm. being decided in the fourth with a minute yeah. to go. And that makes the betting dynamic obviously very difficult. Uh, it was not a great week for me, that's for sure. Uh, along those respects and so uh, some of the predictions go right some of them go wrong but you live to fight another week and that's where we are heading into Monday night of course tonight the Saints and Raiders will cap off week two of the NFL all right fantasy standouts in the NFL and Major League Baseball are coming up next got a lot of quarterbacks to talk about here as Joe mentioned Dak Prescott season not only underway but underway in a big way and over in Major League Baseball with the Padres clinching who would have thought one of their stars this season would be someone that was pretty much left on the waiver wire in some leagues this year talk about that next don't go away sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. Noon to 2 Eastern every day on the East Coast here on Sports Grid or wherever you're watching, of course, on demand. Check out our YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to everything that we do over on SportsGrid.com. You can catch all of our shows from both a fantasy and wagering analysis. And uh, Joe, certainly in terms of fantasy standouts, there was no shortage of, of that going into this week. That's for sure. It seems like defenses took a back seat for whatever reason in week two. We had more 100-yard rushers. We had a couple 400-yard passers. And certainly, I think that going into week three, uh, we're going to be finding that the waiver wire is probably the most important week than we've seen uh, maybe in a year or two. 
Yeah, and outside of the Chargers defense, which was just spectacular. I mean, what what a great fight they put up there. And uh, between them and Baltimore, I think those were the two defenses that stood out to me, at least this weekend. But, man, oh, man, this was definitely a weekend for uh, big-time fantasy productivity, especially the quarterback position and perhaps uh, some of the, uh, the concerns about a few running backs being done after week one. Might have been hot takes, so uh, it was good to see some bounce backs from a couple veterans as well in week two. All right, so let's get started and take a look at who did what in our fantasy standouts. First, we'll do fantasy football, and then we'll take care of some baseball from Sunday. Dak Prescott, 450 passing yards, five carries, 18 rushing yards. He had four touchdowns on the day in that big comeback, no doubt. Listen, if the Falcons keep losing, this is the recipe to success for Matt Ryan, because in fantasy, it's really all we care about. Ryan had 417 passing yards, a huge game again. Four more touchdowns for him. Aaron Jones in that offensive line for the Packers, you know, they didn't really address any of their skill positions, but the non-skill positions, the free agents and the guys that they brought back, their offensive line looks great. They're protecting Rodgers, and Jones is running crazy. 18 carries, 168 yards, four receptions, 68 yards, and three touchdowns. He's picking up where he left off, and dare I say, probably the number one running back in fantasy going forward uh, in Aaron Jones. Hey, how about Leonard Fournette of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Again, a very quiet beginning to the game, and then all of a sudden, this guy just took over, and it does look like he's going to be a factor with the Buccaneers. 12 carries, 103 rushing yards, four receptions, 13 yards, and two touchdowns. This is definitely something to watch to see if he takes over or if it's a split, but Clearly, that was a great sign after not doing anything in week one. Calvin Ridley, seven receptions, 109 yards, two more touchdowns for this guy. He and Julio Jones are just one and two, maybe one and one A. Reminds me of Godwin and uh, and Evans last year. Stephon Diggs had his breakout game for the Buffalo Bills. Eight receptions, 158 yards, and a touchdown as well. And Tyler Higby of the Los Angeles Rams. Five catches, 54 yards, three touchdowns. The Eagles, Joe, forgot (laughs) that the Rams, uh, you got to cover the tight end every once in a while. They forgot in that game, and so he had three touchdowns in that one. Yeah, the Eagles have a lot of issues. Miles Sanders came out of the gate there and fumbled as soon as he came back, so the Eagles are in a bit of disarray right now. I'm hoping they can get right, but mm, I don't know. They are in a tough spot right now. Something does not look good right now for them going forward. We'll see if they can right the ship, but Leonard Fournette did right the pirate ship for the Bucs. That was a great outing for him. And, yes, he did tack on that touchdown late and kind of seal the game. But even before that, if you were watching the game, he did a lot of good things there, had a lot of big moments. Ronald Jones missed a couple moments. And uh, Ronald Jones could be seeing more of that bench now potentially. So we'll see now if week three we get the definitive Leonard Fournette or if we go back to some sort of weird timeshare. I don't know. But all I can tell you, Craig, from watching yesterday, it seemed like Fournette deserve to be the guy going forward he was definitely the more dynamic of the two and uh calvin ridley look last year godwin was the black book guy to go from a wide receiver two to wide receiver one you know you're sick to death of me talking about calvin ridley i don't think he can keep up this pace that he's been on the first two weeks but i'm telling you right now this is a guy who's going to finish as a wide receiver one no matter what because as far as he doesn't get injured as long as that doesn't happen The Atlanta Falcons defense is going to continue to give up points, which means the Falcons offense is going to continue to need to score points and be aggressive. Uh, Julio did have that big drop, unfortunately, in that moment, that touchdown pass that could have been for muscle gauge would have sealed the deal for this team. It was not meant to be, but Calvin Ridley has been absolutely brilliant. He's getting all the opportunity. He's cashing in on all those opportunities. And I got to tell you, the one thing I did not see coming on this list was Stefan Diggs. I was out on Diggs this year. 
But Josh Allen had a historic game yesterday. Diggs has looked so good for the first two games. We'll see if he can continue to be so successful and consistent. But I got to tell you, if the uh, Buffalo Bills are going to be able to throw the football at this kind of level, potentially going forward, they are going to be very difficult to beat in that East. That's for sure. Yeah, Buffalo is playing great, and, and certainly their game was very close against Miami. You could say that for you know twelve of the games in the NFL uh, this week. Really, a lot of them just came down to the fourth quarter. And and yeah, the running back opportunities are so bizarre. And it would seem that Fournette looks like the better guy, but the way that coaches are riding this thing in the NFL, it's it's just so hard to figure. I mean, who had? Uh, you know, Cam Akers starting the game for the Rams after the game that Malcolm Brown had. I know Akers got hurt, but he started, got the first few carries done. Carry on Johnson started for Detroit. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know how these coaches are. Maybe they're just strictly just going game by game based on what the flow is. But counting on this at this point is difficult to do. And you just have to hope that you get to some point in the season where it's just consistent. Uh, Ingram finally showed up for uh, finally mm-hmm. one week, but Ingram had a really good week for Baltimore. <laughs> but you know, it took Ingram also three quarters to sort of get going there. And then Dobbins, who last week looked like the guy, didn't play at all almost. So uh, it's just strange the way the teams are doing it this year with running backs. Maybe that will solidify itself as we go on. But I think from a fantasy point of view, that's why the running back position is so volatile this year. It's just it's going to be difficult to follow for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's look at Major League Baseball and the fantasy standouts from Sunday. We'll start off with, yes, the Baltimore Orioles, as this is our final week doing uh, fantasy baseball. John Means, five and two-thirds, his best start of 2021 run. He struck out 12 as he improves to two and three. Michael Chavis has had a rough go of it. But again, it's only two months, so hard to gauge. But we'll see what he does in the final week. He had two home runs if you ended up starting him in your league this week. He also drove in five runs. Uh, Jose Ramirez had two more home runs. He's got 15 runs driven in. He has he had four RBIs. He leads the majors in war. So there is some sentiment that Jose Ramirez is going to be the American League MVP. We'll see about that in a couple of weeks. Dan Vogelbach, what a great signing this was for the Brewers. He's been very good for them. Two home runs yesterday, three runs driven in, five RBIs. Darren Ruff of the San Francisco Giants also homered yesterday for the fifth time. He was not in the United States playing baseball last year, and he's trying Mm -hmm. to carry the Giants into the postseason this year. How about that? Four RBIs for him and a walk. And then Will Myers of the Padres was an afterthought on a lot of fantasy teams, a lot of fantasy leagues. The Padres would have given him away if they could have in the offseason. They couldn't. And what did he do? He rewarded them. 15 home runs on the season, three RBIs and a stolen base. And the Padres clinched the postseason. My guess is Myers has a chance to excel at the postseason with the Padres, too. And they will abruptly turn around and try and move him <laughs> as fast as they can in the offseason. I don't know if it'll work again because he's got that insurmountable contract. But with Machado playing as well as he has, and certainly Tatis and the, and the pitching and the other pieces that the Padres have, Joe, Myers didn't get talked about a lot. But statistically speaking, his performance based on his ADP in fantasy baseball in 2020 it's going to probably be up there with some of the best value of anyone. No, without a doubt. And it's frustrating because last year I was buying in on the bounce back and I didn't get it. So I bought all the shares everywhere I could of Will Myers and it did not pan out. It was not a very good season for him. And I just kind of let him go by the wayside. I thought he was done, kind of like the Padres did. And thank goodness for the Padres' sake, 
They were not able to move him because with injuries to Tommy Pham, to Eric Hosmer, that lineup was in trouble at one point. But Will Myers, you look up, he's got 15 bombs here in 60 games almost. That is incredible. He has been one of these pivotal guys for this offense that's continued to score runs, and now they're in the playoffs. And you're right, Jose Ramirez definitely should be in that conversation for American League MVP. I did not realize he was the uh, leader in AO War. That's pretty impressive. But uh, I think when you look up every week, Lindor's had a good season. But Jose Ramirez has been the guy to talk about. He's been the guy that's really carried them. Fran Mills had a couple hot streaks in him, but that's what Fran Mill does. But Jose Ramirez has been the rock of that offense and the rock for that team. And uh, it's great to see because we all know last year, the first half was just so miserable. So this guy getting off to a good 60 games, I think, does a lot for his fantasy value going into 2021. Yeah, from from June uh, till now, he is the best player in all of Major League Baseball from June of last year through right now. And you never would have thought that, but that's uh, the way it's stacking up as we end the season in baseball. All right, coming up next, fantasy football discussion. Cowboys, Falcons, we'll go through all the games. You're watching Fantasy Sports today. Make sure you stay on the grid, Joe, and I'll be right back after the update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. The highest scoring game in the NFL was probably the most exciting game in the NFL on Sunday. And Joe and I are here to break it all down, go through all the teams, all the stats, and hopefully come to a resolution as we're through week two almost of the fantasy football season. And Joe, certainly uh, to this point, the Dallas Cowboys needed every single little thing to happen and break right for them to win their game on Sunday for sure. But from a fantasy perspective, Dallas is really not playing good defense. They are playing good offense, and the same could be said for the Falcons, uh, although the Falcons are in a more destitute situation, I would say, at this point, being 0-2. Yeah, terrible. And also, that, that kick is just is ridiculous because when that onside kick happened, you know, the offense can't touch the ball for 10 yards, but the defense could have jumped on it right away. And I know the guys in the front are used to blocking, so maybe they were just caught off guard by the whole thing and not really <laughs> sure of what they should be doing. Maybe they just froze. But they basically just watched it. I made the comment earlier, Shay. It was almost like you know a curling match where you're just watching. I was waiting for somebody to go over and sweep and sweep and somebody yell in German to somebody as this ball just continued to spin and spin and everyone just looking at it. I'm waiting for it to hit a target or something. It was so bizarre, but a great job by Dak Prescott. I mean, this guy just paid the man. I mean, the dude is just doing – Everything he possibly can to get W's for this team. He's absolutely balling. It was great to see CeeDee Lamb be good. Cooper had a great game. Everything he thought was going to work did, despite the fact that they were turnovers, and they did. Schultz turned the ball over. Ezekiel Elliott turned the ball over. You can't do that and win football games. They are lucky that they were able to win this one, Craig. Yeah, let's take a look at what Dallas did specifically on the field in terms of fantasy on Sunday. And we'll start off, of course, with their quarterback and Dak Prescott for through more than 400 yards again in this game, through for 450 yards, as a matter of fact, uh, also through a number of touchdowns as we take a look at what the Dallas Cowboys did uh, in their game on Sunday. Uh, 450 and a touchdown, Ezekiel Elliott, 22 carries, 89 yards and a touchdown, eight receptions, 33 yards as well. Uh, C.D. Lamb, six for 106, so maybe this is the breakout game for him. We'll have to see. Amari Cooper uh, also had a number of catches for 100 yards. And Dalton Schultz, who I had never heard about as of a week ago, is now going to be the hottest pickup at tight end in fantasy football. And uh, after the game, 
I actually texted somebody to ask them, hey, like, you know, in the NFL, you know, tell me about this guy. Like, is this someone I should be looking at or whatever? And I'm sort of told it like came out of nowhere, Joe, that Schultz is more of a blocker than he is a passer, but impossible to ignore those numbers. And the average fantasy owner is clearly going to jump on this guy this week. We'll just have to see if he's able to repeat this performance because now I would guess that teams have film on him (laughs) playing in the pros. And they can, you know, focus a little bit more on him. But I don't know if it'll matter. I mean, maybe it's just there's enough to go around there in Dallas. Look, uh, you know, he you, you joked last week. We put him on the waiver wire claims, and he was zero percent owned with good reason. There was nobody to own there, uh, no reason to own him with Blake Jarwin there. But what? The dude showed up, and basically the same things that I saw on Sunday Night Football when he took over for Jarwin, I saw again this week. Now, the one thing that sticks in your craw is turning the football over. You can't do that. Uh, That's going to hurt your target volume, and you can't count on that, that they're going to be behind in every game and throwing that much. But he's not the only one on the waiver wire this week for tight end. Obviously, Mo Cox is going to be out there. Drew Sample, who I absolutely loved last week uh, with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. Man, he looked like he had a really good rapport with him. That is a potentially special relationship, too, especially young quarterbacks in the tight end so actually tight end of all places this week might be pretty bountiful in the waiver wire and schultz probably is still available in your league as well so at least you have some options with tight end uh, going into week three yeah and i think that's always the key is that there's going to be several players that are going to be available and and you have to you know sort of wade through which ones to pick up and uh, you mentioned Cox on the Colts. Certainly, that's another one as well. And, and we know the Colts and under Frank Reich have used the tight end quite a bit, especially near the end zone. All right. On the converse of the Cowboys, we had the Atlanta Falcons, who also put up some great fantasy numbers with Matt Ryan, four touchdowns and over 400 yards. Uh, Todd Gurley, uh, 21 carries, 61 yards. It just looks like the same guy more or less as last year. And now isn't even scoring touchdowns, so not sure what to make of him. Calvin Ridley, 7 for 109, who we discussed, two touchdowns. Hayden Hurst also had a big game, 5 for 72 and a touchdown. And then Russell Gage, 6 for 46 and a touchdown. Uh, Cowboys really went into this game, it looked like, focusing in more on Julio Jones, and so it opened things up for everyone else. But, uh, Joe, the, the Atlanta Falcons are ba- basically doing what they did a year ago, which was struggle a lot early in the season, and I don't know if that will turn around later on in this season, but their defense honestly, through the first two games doesn't look much different. And yeah, that onside kick, certainly you know, things are going to happen over the course of a season where a team gets lucky, and that's going to be one of them for sure. If Dallas doesn't get the onside kick, they lose. And that's one way to look at it. But the way that I look at it is, is that defensively, they still couldn't stop the Cowboys after they got the onside kick. So it's going to have to be fixed pretty quickly for them. Oh, they had a 20-point lead, okay? And on top of which, they got turnovers, and they still lost this football game. It's mind-blowing. And uh, Russell Gage, another guy you just saw there, guess what? You dial back this show on demand to last Wednesday on the waiver wire. Russell Gage is one of the top wide receiver pickups because he kind of fills into that Muhammad Sanu low-end role, but probably still a fair amount of volume. Because why? Because the Atlanta Falcons' defense is going to make him relevant because offensively they're going to have to keep keep pushing the ball down the field. And Russell Gage actually almost had a passing touchdown in this one, too, just through the fingertips of Julio Jones. That would have even added to his day, potentially, both him and Julio. But it was not meant to be. Todd Gurley, the game script keeps going out the window for him. But you know what? Let's let's tack on some truth there, too. He was not catching the football well. He had a couple targets. He did not 
uh, bring him in. Bad job there by Todd Gurley. I don't know if we want to write him off completely yet, but certainly he's into that real big question of whether or not you want to start him on a weekly basis. Although, with all the injuries this week, you probably have no choice. But good to see Hayden Hurst do what he does. Finally, uh, five catches for 72. And Calvin Ridley, once again, man, uh, if there was a value on the board this year in the Black Book, it was Calvin Ridley, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf. Those are the big three wide receivers to target. So far, two weeks in, they're all giving good returns, and that is a big positive. All right, let's look at the Buccaneers and Carolina Panthers. Of course, the big story out of this one is that Christian McCaffrey not going to be in your fantasy lineup coming up this week, so that'll be something we'll have to sort out. But for the Buccaneers in particular, it was a much more successful week, although, again, it kind of let Carolina hang around in this one, and the Panthers could have actually covered this one with another score. Uh, Brady, a little bit over 200 yards, a touchdown interception. Of course, the clear uh, winner from this game was Leonard Fournette, who had 12 carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns and also added some catches for him as well. Ronald Jones, who started off and scored a touchdown, wasn't a factor at all in this game in the end, but if you started him, I guess you eked out yourself with about eight or nine points. Mike Evans, without Godwin, was the clear winner at wide receiver with seven for 103. He also had a touchdown, and unfortunately, Scotty Miller, who was a pretty hot pickup off the waiver wire and start this week for a lot of teams because of Godwin being out, didn't really contribute to this one. And so this could be the recipe for Tampa Bay moving forward, Joe. If Fournette can look like he did yesterday, there's no doubt that he looks a lot better than Ronald Jones did. And, you know, certainly it was a really weird ending for him in Jacksonville. I don't know what these coaches are doing in terms of game script because it is one week later, and that certainly gave Fournette more time to get acclimated. What will happen mm -hmm. when Godwin comes back? I'm not entirely sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Buccaneers now decided to at least split the carries between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. It's going to be dicey moving forward. We're just going to have to figure it out. Maybe we'll get more clarity on it this week. Look, for all you Ronald Jones uh, owners out there, don't cut bait yet. Just just hold on and wait and see a little bit because if there's one thing I can tell you, Tom Brady is not elite Tom Brady anymore anyway, and he hasn't been for the last three years. If you watch Tom Brady play for the Patriots, he was very much propped up by what? A very good run game in terms of pushing the ball, pushing the ball. No, there wasn't one clear guy. They did it as a group, as a committee. And they're going to have to do that again here. And if they have Leonard Fournette as part of that grouping with Ronald Jones, that's going to really help Tom Brady out quite a bit. A healthy Godwin wouldn't hurt either, but it was great to see him and Mike Evans kind of teaming up there. There was a really good moment there where there was a double move, and they kind of basically were just in sync with it. And that was the Evans touchdown there where Evans is supposed to kind of have a double move and then go out and over the top of the defensive back didn't bite for it. Instead, he just kind of settled in. Brady anticipated that through that back shoulder ball. He caught it. Boom. Touchdown. That's great because you're starting to see rapport then between the wide receiver and the quarterback. That's the kind of stuff you want to look for. So that's really good in terms of DFS because we know Mike Evans is a high ceiling guy. But Leonard Fournette, there's no denying he is not done. So let us not, you know, have hyperbole about that after two weeks. But at the same time, let's not go too crazy on the other end, too, that Ronald Jones has done either. There's a good chance they're both going to be involved. I still prefer the Leonard Fournette side if I have to pick from only starting one of them, and I happen to have both. But I think you can still have Leonard Fournette going forward in some, uh, certainly in rosters. You have to get him back in next week and see what happens. And on the side of the Carolina Panthers, we saw Teddy Bridgewater, unfortunately, have a lot of decent garbage time numbers, but really struggled in the first half. Bridgewater mm -hmm. for the Panthers threw 42 passes, completed 33, a lot of short passes, 367 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions for him. McCaffrey, uh, well, 
you know, unfortunately, this could be the end of you seeing him and seeing stats on your team for a couple weeks. Uh, 18 for 59, two touchdowns. He also had four catches. DJ Moore, 8 for 120. Robbie Anderson, 9 for 109. And Mike Davis, who came in at running back, Joe, uh, caught eight balls for 74 yards. And I think that at least as we stand at this moment, Davis could be the biggest beneficiary to McCaffrey being out. But I'm not completely sold on that either. Maybe it's somebody from outside the organization. I, I find it hard to believe Mike Davis is getting 20 carries with the Panthers. Well, he might not get 20 carries. The The trick is the catches. And if you saw, he was very active in the passing game. So at least as a Band-Aid until McCaffrey is back, you can throw out 10 bucks on your fab. And or you have to do a lot of soul-searching with free agent budget this week. But you can at least go out there, maybe get some points out of him the next couple weeks until CMC comes back because it is only a Band-Aid on a situation. But we are in a tough spot here because with so many injuries, this is going to be a very unique waiver wire. Everybody's going to be looking for players, which means you're going to have to throw a couple extra dollars on everyone that you're bidding for and have a lot of second and third and even fourth choices going into it. Well, the Green Bay Packers are certainly one team that is healthy and protecting their quarterback and running the ball very well. We'll focus in on the pack when we return next here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid for you every Monday covering the ins and outs of what happened in the previous week in the NFL and, of course, uh, Dr. Chow will be with us later on. We'll really need him to weigh in on some of the injuries in fantasy this week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, according to several reports, going to be out about a month as it looks. But, again, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see how he progresses. Maybe he'll be a faster healer than what people think. But, unfortunately, ESPN is reporting that Saquon Barkley is out for the season. So, uh, unfortunate news there, no doubt, two years in a row, having Barkley out for an extended period of time. And, in this case, he got Barkley for all of one week. Okay, Green Bay Packers in week two of fantasy looked like the Green Bay Packers that we saw in week one of fantasy, more or less. As we take a look at it, Aaron Rodgers was 18 of 30, 240 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 18 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns, also four receptions, 68 yards and a touchdown as well. Devontae Adams, three receptions for 36 yards, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, contributed three receptions for 63 yards there. And so early on in this game, Joe, the Lions, uh, you know, kind of looked like they did against the Bears. They took an early lead. It looked like they were going to hang around in the game. And then their defense certainly uh, let them down yet again. But let's focus on the Packers here for a minute. Where is Aaron Jones in terms of the pecking order and running backs in fantasy right now? I mean, is he number one? No, he's definitely... Well, I think he's number one. I would still have Elliott above him. I would even put Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that conversation. Dalvin Cook, let's say what Kamara does this week where he's not playing the Buccaneers run defense, which is very, very good. So Kamara will, you know, but I think he's right in that conversation right after those guys. I think right after Cook and Kamara. Look, Aaron Jones last year was number two in PPR scoring. And uh, on this week going into the week, we talked about him extensively on game day here on the network on Saturday morning. And the discussion was in terms of value, 
I want to say it was 7,600 or 7,700 this week. You, you know, despite all of the offense that they had the week before, it felt like when they got home, they were going to get back to some of the basics of running the football with Aaron Jones again. It's exactly what they did. And he's been an absolute monster for this offense for the last year and change now. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I think the Packers need to really think about this long and hard because he's a free agent at the end of the year and they're probably going to let him walk from a cap standpoint. But my goodness, I don't know what that's going to do potentially to the Packers going forward because I think Aaron Jones has proven to be very good and very productive. And in terms of fantasy, right now he's definitely in that RB1 group. And he was going as basically a high-end RB2, which I just crossed this past draft season. I thought it was nuts. People were grossly undervaluing based upon touchdown regression. And everybody talking about, oh, he's going to regress in terms of touchdowns. They're all going to go backwards. You know what? So far, that doesn't seem to be the case again. We're two weeks into the season, and Aaron Jones looks pretty good again. Well, in terms of the Lions, it's been nothing short of an epic disappointment for them thus far, no question. And their uh, head coach, Matt Patricia, uh, after the game said that it was only like one bad game of defense or something like that. I don't know. I mean, this this could be the end for him there. But uh, certainly offensively, the Lions will get back Kenny Galladay this week, so that will help them. It didn't help on Sunday. Stafford, two, 20 for 33, 244, two touchdowns, one interception. Carryon Johnson got the start, eight carries, 32 yards, and a touchdown. Peterson came in a little bit later on and did get carries, and so did DeAndre Swift, who had five carries for 12 yards but caught five balls for 60 at the end of the game, got a lot of garbage time, which is good for him. TJ Hawkinson, four catches, 62 yards. That's not what you want to see as your leading receiver there. And then Marvin Jones had a touchdown, four receptions, 23 yards. And, and, and Joe, the natural thought process here would be you don't have Galladay. Someone is going to get to that next level and replace Galladay with some of those targets and catches. But we have not seen that in the first couple of weeks. And I would also say that in the second half, when the Packers pulled away, the, the the Lions didn't even really give you great garbage time points either. And so this could just be a very big blind spot, uh, blind spot for me here in 2020 because I can't sit here and say after two weeks that I've seen anything that would lead me to believe that the Lions are going to win eight games. I haven't seen one thing. Well, I was thinking of you early in this one because I saw them up again, and I said, oh, no, here we go again. The Lions have a lead, and sure enough, it did not last very long. And uh, I think you look at this and realize as well that – uh, it, it, eventually, as this team goes on, DeAndre Swift, I think, will get better. And I think by the time we get into week six, seven, eight, uh, I think he's actually a fantastic trade target right now if you're missing running backs because I feel like that's a guy with potential for the season to go on and get better. But there's really no replacing Kenny Galladay in this offense. I think you're seeing that. Kenny Galladay is a fantastic talent. He's a matchup disaster. And really, so much of the success of last year's Detroit's offense was built around Kenny Galladay Eaton. And you know what? When he's not there... You can see the ripple effect it has. Uh, I think Swift, again, will continue to get better. It was weird, too, because you were dead on. I know when we spoke on Friday, you said, hey, Carrion's going to get involved in this one. Keep an eye out. And he had that early touchdown and then kind of basically disappeared into the fabric. And you're like, where's Carrion? And I understand the game script kind of disappeared, too, from that, from running the football. But still, it was, all right, let's go with Carrion. And then they got away from it. It just seems like they don't plan right now. And that's a dangerous thing for your fantasy team. But I will say this. I do think DeAndre Swift is one of the more intriguing by lows right now at the running back position. And with so much attrition at that position to this week, he would be a fascinating guy if you could pluck him off another roster. Yeah, I mean, their defense has given up 50 points in the fourth quarter in the last two games. So I, I can't help. sit here and say that there's anything else except for that defense has been horrible. Okay, uh, Rams were a big surprise for me this week in both fantasy and on the wagering side because they came out on fire. Jared Goff 
completed his first 13 passes in this game, which is the most in the NFL this season. 20 for 27, 267 yards and three touchdowns. Had a really good game. Daryl Henderson also is an interesting name this week because he had 12 carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. Malcolm Brown, who was not even in the game in the first half, had 11 carries for 47 yards. Cam Akers started the game for the Rams and looked okay. Then he got hurt, and that was it. Cooper Cup, five receptions, 81 yards. But Higby, the tight end for the Rams, was the very big story in this one because he had three touchdowns in this game, five receptions and 54 yards. And and look, you know, maybe it's more of an indictment on the Eagles than it is positive on the Rams. But this is one of those games that I regret taking Philly because I looked at it over and over again. The line seemed wrong. Why are the Eagles only a point favorite? Why are they only a point and a half favorite? They should be three. Usually when that happens, I'm smart enough to take the other side and say the line is too fishy, and I got sucked in on a bad line, and and that was very evident very early on. I'm, I'm shocked because I was going to give you credit. I said, if you listen to Craig, you avoided this because he told you this is fishy. All he kept saying was, this is fishy. Doesn't make any sense to me. Something's wrong here. Something's fishy. So I can't believe that that's ended up where you're going, but it happens to all of us. We, you know, as, with all the information we have, sometimes we overthink things, but sometimes your gut is right. And your gut was right on this game because uh, I definitely was one of these people that thought, okay, well, let's, let's give the Miles Sanders back and Lane Johnson back and see if they can get better. Well, Miles Sanders coughed up the football right away, and uh, the Rams basically never looked back. And I'll say this about the Rams, too. You saw Woods get involved with a touchdown there. It was a great game from Higby, obviously, from a fantasy perspective. You can't expect three touchdowns from him every week. But now we're back to the hot hand scenario. Now, the only silver lining in this Cam Akers injury is now we're down to two guys instead of three. But Henderson was the guy this week. So if he spent all the money like I did last week on Malcolm Brown, just hoping that maybe he would emerge as the guy, guess what? He's going to stick it to you. Sean McVay is going to stick it to you. It's going to be just like those Kyle Shanahan offenses where it's going to be this guy this week, and then you'll get Jeffrey Wilson one week, and then you'll get Tevin Coleman and Jared McKinnon and Mostert. It feels like it's going to be the same thing. So the best thing I could say to you is I know Daryl Henderson is going to be very highly sought after this week on the waiver wire, and probably rightfully so especially with all the injuries at running back. But I'd say if you are a Malcolm Brown owner, you might have to double down here. Get both of them. Because if one does go down, now you have real clarity here. If Akers and somebody else gets hurt. Now at least you have cornered the market here in this Ram situation. But it feels like, at least to be Craig, it's going to be one of these hot hand things. It's going to be very frustrating from a standpoint of uh, season-long fantasy. And in daily fantasy, it's going to be frustrating enough that you have to run away from it. Because unless you're willing to flip a coin on one of these guys and be right or wrong, it's very difficult to get involved with the Rams running back situation. The good news is Cooper Cup had a good game. The good news was obviously you have some emergence of some other pieces too. And it looks like the Rams, after a very, very rough 2019, are starting to get back on track. And that is a very good thing because this was a team just one year removed from a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and look, Henderson looked pretty good, and and I think Agers will come back at some point. And so uh, what what's kind of strange here for me, and I know this is going to sound horrible, but them pivoting away from Gurley and forcing those carries looks like maybe that was a big part of why their offense was so bogged down at, at points last year. So at least that's the way I see it here, because Henderson looked good. 
All right, now, uh, in terms of Philadelphia, look, they had a chance to win. They're driving the ball down toward the end of the third quarter, and Carson Wentz just throws a very easy interception in the end zone. Philly would have taken the lead at that point. But this is the NFL. That's what happens. Things change constantly. Uh, Wentz was just not good in this game. He was not. Nope. 26 for 43, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Sanders was actually fine, like pretty much gave you exactly what you thought beyond the fumble. 20 carries, 68 yards, a touchdown, had three receptions. Like a 15, 20-point fantasy day. Deshaun Jackson, 6 for 64. Uh, that's not a good sign for Philly when he's the leading receiver. Zach Ertz, 5 for 42. Goddard was quiet, four receptions for 30 yards. Jalen Rager, who played a lot, wasn't uh, – I, I think he'll get be more of a bigger part of the game plan as it goes on. And if you're Philadelphia – uh, and, and maybe you have their over on their win total. I, th- I think you are in a little bit of panic mode here at this point because mm-hmm. their offense is very capable. It looks like they will rebound and they're going to win some games on the strength of that offense. But I don't know what happened to their defense. I, did, I know that last year they struggled in some very important games and gave up, I think, 35 to Miami at one point last year, too. But they didn't, to me, watching the game, it didn't look like they could stop the Rams once in the entire game. I think they may have only stopped them once or twice. And so that would be my concern with them. Yeah. It's a lot of soul searching here uh, for the Eagles because the Cowboys have shown you right now, once again, just like last year, they're not a team that could put teams away. And if you're the Eagles is an opportunity because now Saquon Barkley's out for the year. This division is yours. If you can get and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get everything working together. Jalen Rhaegar is probably on a lot of wires right now. I would add him because next week you're going against, I believe, Cincinnati they have in week three. That is an off uh, defense you could score on. And I think that there's going to be opportunity there for Rhaegar going forward. And you have to understand this is almost still like preseason for these guys. They're just now getting into their groove. But you're right. Carson Wentz did not play well. This is the first time in 21 games that he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. Let that settle in. In terms of weekly floor for a quarterback, I said last year this was the only QB1 to have a touchdown in every single one of his games. The streak has been broken this week. That is terrible news there uh, for Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Now, maybe Alshon Jeffrey comes back healthy in a few weeks. Maybe Rhaegar takes a step forward. All of a sudden, the offense starts to uh, be a little bit you know, more able to throw the ball downfield. But right now, they seem like a team that's in a bit of a disarray, both offensively and defensively, in a very winnable division. And it's going to be very frustrating, not only for fantasy owners, but for Eagles fans right now, because the identity of this team is still a giant question mark as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I really don't see it the same way. I, I watch the game very closely because, again, when I have uh, the, the picks on it, I usually watch very closely. Their offense looked fine to me. I mean, Wentz threw a bad pick. Sanders had a fumble. They could not stop the Rams. They could not stop them. The Rams, if I went back and looked at all their drives, I would guess they stopped them once, maybe twice the entire game. And you're just never going to win like that. It doesn't matter how good your offense is. So I, I think Philly's offense is going to be good. But I, I'll have to dive deeper and see what happened to their defense and what I missed in the offseason because they just looked brutal uh, defensively for me. Okay, uh, we got some key injuries to talk about. That is really the the hot topic, I would say, of our show here on Fantasy Sports today. We have updates on Christian McCaffrey, also on Saquon Barkley, and then some of the other players who were hurt. We're going to get updates a little bit later because they're in the Mountain or West time zone, but we'll sort of dive into that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. And then coming up in hour number two, we'll touch on some more of the games that we haven't covered in this hour. You can always watch us on demand, too, over at sportsgrid.com. We'll be right back with more Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today with you here on SportsGrid. Of course, Joe and I will be back in hour number two, recapping and looking forward now to the day ahead, including the big Monday Night Football game tonight. Of course, the Raiders will play their home opener in front of no fans, but have that brand-new stadium in Las Vegas as they Mm -hmm. take on the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, Joe, this this is probably the biggest injury week we've had in years in fantasy, and I don't know what to attribute it to, whether it's not having preseason or conditioning or anything else i really don't know the answer to that and i guess the question is is it an anomaly or is this what we're going to see moving forward only time will tell on that but let's take a look at some of the key players who were injured on sunday and how they will affect fantasy christian mccaffrey of the carolina panthers the timeline has now been set at about a month for him so we'll keep an eye and see if he can beat that but certainly don't expect him to play this week Saquon Barkley of the Giants is out for the year, according to ESPN. Drew Locke has an injured shoulder, which means Jeff Driscoll in all likelihood is going to start this week. Raheem Mostert, oh, this one hurts too. I'm going to probably lose my bet (laughs) with Joe on this one off that. Uh, Mostert looked so good early in the game yesterday, and and I don't know. We'll have to see the timeline on him, but when he plays, this guy's a monster. It's unfortunate he got hurt. Uh, Cam Akers of the Rams, another another player I own is going to be out for a week or two. And then we'll wait for the timeline on Nick Boza. There's some fear he could be out for a long period of time, maybe the end, maybe a season-ending deal. San Francisco's been hit harder than any team, in the, and I, I would say, in the NFL right now with injuries, yet they got lucky playing the Jets, I guess, yesterday. They didn't really need those guys. And then, uh, Joe, we get word that Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver from the Denver Broncos, out for the season as well. So, wow. Like, there's there are going to be screenshots, Joe, of fantasy teams that are out there of people having McCaffrey and Sutton and Galladay and like mm-hmm. and Mostert and, and I mean there's just nothing you can do about that sort of thing and that's and and when you have a one player out Joe or maybe even two you can survive but there are going to be some teams that have multiple players not playing this week yeah there are and look we're going to be here for you tomorrow I'm going to have a whole plan of action what we could do trade targets we're going to do waiver wire this week we're going to do a lot so we can't throw up the white flag just yet but it has been a massive massive fantasy hit for injuries week two. There's no way around that. All right, that'll do it for our first hour, but we're going to keep going here. Hour number two, we'll touch on the game from last night, Seattle and New England. Of course, we'll have our top stories, a little college football and a Hall of Famer headed to be a head coach in college football as well. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 